forgot uh, to wear this thing. So there we go. Uh, Well, we have been, uh, last week we began our series for the summer entitled Picturing the Kingdom. And we're spending this summer looking at some of the pictures that Jesus gives of life with God in the kingdom of God or in the kingdom of heaven. And that phrase, the kingdom of heaven, may bring many ideas to your mind. Um, I think if we were to think of Jesus' initial audience and they were to hear him proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is at hand, what they would have primarily been thinking is that this was an announcement that the end of time has come and God has come to make all things right for his people to dwell with him in the world. And they would be partially right for thinking that. That is partially true. And maybe for you, when you hear kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, what comes to your mind is life with God forever in new heavens and new earth. And that is it. But there's more to it than that. What's so striking about Jesus' message of the kingdom is that it's also the announcement that God's presence and his reign with his people New creation life with him has begun with the coming of Jesus. It is here now. And if you are trusting in Jesus by faith, you are part of the kingdom of heaven, which will also come in its fullness later. And so you can see how it's such a a big and profound teaching And so that's part of the beauty of the parables, as we mentioned last week, is they give us these stories They give us pictures that help us understand what this life with God in this present age looks like here and now as citizens of his heavenly kingdom. This week's pictures involve hidden treasure. Hidden treasure is a pretty compelling story theme, isn't it? There are lots of movies and stories that you could think about that tell of enormous wealth that anyone could find if they just had the right map or if they just were heroic enough to be able to get into the really tricky cave or whatever it might be. Stories of hidden treasure, they capture our imagination. We even get to watch a bit of this whole treasure hunt dynamic unfold with shows like Antiques Roadshow, where some may come in with something that they think might be worth a little bit of money, maybe barely worth anything, and then only to find out in the scope of one episode that that it is worth more than they could have ever imagined. Now that doesn't happen very often, but even the thought that it could keeps us watching, doesn't it? And looking at our old stuff thinking, maybe, maybe that is something I need to take on this show. And what we'll see this morning is that some of these same dynamics of hidden treasure and the wonderment of obtaining something that seems unfathomable, these dynamics are involved also in the kingdom of God. And so I'll read our passage this morning. Uh, It is in Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, uh, in a pew Bible, it can be found on page 819. Those are available if you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning. The text is also printed in your bulletin on page 8. So hear God's word in Matthew 13. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So far the reading of God's word. Please pray with me as we ask his help. Our Father in heaven, we have already been reminded of the supernatural way in which your word breaks into our lives in the gospel and changes us from the inside out. We thank you for the reminder of our baptism and that you have brought us to newness of life through faith in Christ. We pray that you would continue to renew us in his image this morning as we look at your word and as we hear it proclaimed. We pray that your spirit would illumine our hearts to better understand the beauty, the wonder, the unfathomable riches of all that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you make these things beautiful to us? We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we'll consider these two relatively brief parables in three points this morning. Um, The first point is looking at the kingdom stories, and we'll just look at what the stories are saying. The second point is that the kingdom costs everything, and then finally we'll consider the kingdom is worth everything. And so let's begin by speaking for a moment about these stories that we find here. In the first story, a man finds treasure hidden in a field. Now, valuables buried in the dirt may sound a little bit strange to us. Uh, Maybe some of us have some things buried in our backyard. Um, But overall, we think of banks and safe deposit boxes uh, as where we would keep things that we want to make sure are kept secure. But throughout the ancient world, Banks weren't very reliable if they existed at all. And with a constant changing of kingdoms and powers, you were much safer to bury things in a field somewhere. And in fact, in the caves in Qumran, um, over in Israel where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, they found what's called the copper scroll. And it's these two leaflets of really thin copper. And what's written on them are the directions for finding over 60 items that were gold or silver that had been buried around the region, written on a copper scroll. And so in this story, for some reason, treasure has been hidden in a field, and a man finds it. We're not given more details than this in the story. How did this treasure come to be Um, found by him, right? It's possible that just erosion in the elements had washed away what was previously hiding this treasure. It's also possible he was a worker in the field, digging or plowing and hit something hard and found that it was treasure buried in the dirt. But it seems that in this story, this is an unexpected find of some sort. He comes across this, he stumbles upon it, and then realizing what he's found, Realizing what it's worth, he's filled with delight. It says that in his joy, he then does what it takes to secure this treasure for himself. He covers it back up so no one else will find it. And then he goes and he liquidates all of his assets. He sells everything he has so that he can purchase the field and then the treasure will be uncontestably his own. 
And the implication is that then he continues to live with the joy of that treasure. What he found was so valuable that it was worth selling everything he had, and it changed his life forever. Well, then Jesus goes on to tell another similar story, and he's building on the same themes. He says in verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. That term there, merchant, is probably um, easiest understood as something like a wholesale dealer. It's someone who goes and buys goods so that then he can in turn sell those goods to make a profit. And this merchant was in search of fine pearls. Now when I say that, I'm so curious, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. What do you think of when you hear pearls? I think for many of us, pearls don't have the same wow factor that they probably did in the ancient world. Um, They can be synthetically produced. They may not catch our eye like they used to in the ancient world. But um, when we hear about pearls, what we could really equate with it in our cultural capital would be diamonds. Uh, It would carry the very same idea, the most valuable possession you could have. And so this wholesale dealer was in search of fine pearls. He was looking for valuable ones that had the right size and the right color that he could sell for a great profit to himself. And in his search, he found one pearl that was greater than all the rest. And like in the previous story, when he found this pearl of great value, he went and he sold everything he had. And the implication too is all the other merchandise that he'd been stocking up to sell, maybe all the other pearls that he'd been acquiring. And, in, and he sells them so that he can buy this pearl. Now, in the previous parable, it makes immediate sense how the man continues to live. He obtains this treasure and then he lives off the wealth of the treasure. Here it's not so clear how this man continues to live after buying this great pearl, but the point is of how he pays the bills. It's not the point of the story. How he paid the bills is not what this is all about. The point is that he has found the greatest treasure. And now he lives his life in delight of obtaining this pearl of great price. And so as we think about these two stories, they have similar themes, don't they? Great treasure and selling all that they have. But what are we to hear? What do they show us about the nature of life with God in his kingdom? Well, that brings us to our second point. The kingdom costs everything. The kingdom costs everything. You've probably had the experience of thinking that something costs one price, but then the fine print says something totally different. There's a new service fee. You're ordering at a restaurant. Oh, by the way, these prices you see, just add a few percentages because things are more expensive now and we need to pay for those. Oh, that hotel room you see, by the way, there are a bunch of fees. That car price that you see listed there, Uh, it has nothing to do with what the car actually costs. Maybe children, you've been in the store and you've seen, yes, this toy is $10, I've saved up $10. And then your parent gently reminds you that's $10 plus tax, right? And then you need to go save up more. Well, 
Jesus, in this parab- these parables, doesn't give that typical sales pitch where he buries the costs way down in the fine print. In fact, he does the exact opposite. He wants you to know exactly what you're signing up for when you come to him. And it's pretty startling, isn't it? The cost that he mentions. Notice how he speaks of the cost of the kingdom. The kingdom, he says, it will cost you everything. Both men say, sell all that they have. It's not this partial liquidation of their assets. This isn't something that you can just add on to your life. Or, you know, I could sell a few things. I could buy a few shares of this just in case that whole judgment thing is really how it works out. I could buy in a little bit. But no, this is all that one has. And notice that it doesn't matter how much you have. It costs all of it. Many think that the man in the field was a common worker of the day, that he had gone out to plow, to work in that field. Um, It seems as though the merchant in the second story was probably a man of more means. Buying pearls takes a little bit of capital uh, to be able to do at all. But notice that for each of them, regardless of how much they had in the bank, so to speak, obtaining the treasure required both of them giving all that they had. And not only does Jesus explain that it costs everything, but the implication of the parable is it costs you everything now. In both of the stories, delay would be problematic, wouldn't it? We'd be horribly uh, in, in a horrible state of tension if they were to take their time. If, if they didn't act, someone else would find that treasure. If they didn't act, someone else would obtain that pearl. And so the, the call of the kingdom is not this, I'll just go about my life and I'll check back in later when it seems a little bit more important. No, Jesus is explaining here the call of the kingdom of life with God is a present call. It's not something to just wait and see how things will go. And so the cost of the kingdom, it costs everything, but then also the cost of the kingdom is a complete reorientation of one's life. You you picture the people in these stories. They go from one day walking in a field or I wonder what pearls I'll find today to the next day changing everything. Everything counted as loss because they're all about this new pursuit of this newfound treasure. And while this has profound implications for how we think about our money and our possessions The rest of Scripture and Jesus' teachings are are clear that when Jesus teaches about the kingdom, he's speaking about more than just our money. He says this in various ways, doesn't he? That, That in following him, you have to lose your life to find it. That in coming to him, you take up your cross to die, forsaking family and relationships and all else in this life. And so while... Obtaining the kingdom may not literally mean selling all that you have. It does mean being willing to part with all of it. Now, I want to be clear about something. This is not getting rid of things 
in order to be good enough to get into heaven. We can be tempted to hear it that way. Um, Man, if I just get rid of things now, then I kind of store up credits. And then when I get to the pearly gates, oh, you've given up a lot. Those are many good works. Why don't you enter? No, the message of the kingdom is nothing like that. In fact, the message of the kingdom is turning from this whole, I could be good enough to get into the kingdom mindset. It says that doesn't work at all. Instead, entrance into the kingdom is what we heard about and saw displayed in this baptism. It's admitting that you're a sinner and that you could never, despite the best works you could ever do, you could never earn a place in the kingdom of God. And so it's turning from that whole works mentality and instead it's turning to God's gift, his gift of free grace, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because through faith in his sin-paying death and his life-giving resurrection, you receive the kingdom as a gift from God. But it's an empty-handed receiving, isn't it? Nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling, the hymn tells us. And so the call of Jesus is no less than a call to die. A call to die to self. And it costs everything. It's pretty sobering news, isn't it? Not exactly a feel-good-on-a-Sunday message right there. Point three is coming, so hang in there. But Jesus' words, while startling to us, they ring true, though, don't they? I'm acutely aware of that as I look out at your faces and think of your stories and the things that we pray for week in and week out. This room is filled with people who have paid and are paying the cost because following Jesus has reshaped your entire life, hasn't it? You've made decisions that have altered your career. Many of you have been overlooked for promotions to live for the Lord Jesus, prioritizing caring for your family and caring for your church and being here on the Lord's Day. Others of you have lost your jobs or changed careers or retired early because of what Jesus has done to your conscience. Uh, You've chosen to use your wealth in ways that are about far more than just the bottom line. You're not living with all the stuff, those material blessings that you could have if you were to just view your money as your own. Your savings, your retirement, your children's inheritance is not what it could be. You've made hard decisions, laying aside your plans, your dreams, your freedom to just do what you wish with your life, to seek his kingdom instead of your own. And what often cuts the deepest is how following Jesus affects our relationships. You've lost family and close friends because Jesus' call on your life was offensive to them. And there's other relationships that are strained. And no matter how hard you try, no matter how loving and compassionate you seek to be, there's a distance between you. You know that you're on the outside 
that you can only get so close. And it's because following Jesus has changed your life. Well, I could go on and on. I had pages that I cut out (laughs) of just ways that we've experienced the loss, the cost of following Christ. But part of what Jesus wants you to hear this morning is that he knows what it has cost you. He's upfront about it. He's not hiding it. And part of the he knows that the kingdom is like giving up all that you have to obtain a great treasure. He knows this, and he knows it because he has experienced it. He laid aside the glory of heaven. He took to himself a human body that he has forever. Yes, it's glorified now, but he's enfleshed like us. He lived a life that was not marked by success or prosperity, but by rejection. I cannot think of someone who was more misunderstood in this life, how every day he sought to glorify God and show perfect love to everyone around him. And yet people hated him, and they thought he was against them. He lived a life of great cost, even the cost of his very life as he died on a cross. But why did Jesus do this? Why would he live that way? Because it was worth it. But what's radical about it for Jesus is what was so worth it is that you and I could come to share in this treasure the treasure that he already had and was willing to lay aside so that we could be brought in to experience the glory and the riches of life with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to speak for a moment to those who are not yet baptized followers of Jesus. Maybe you've heard this message many times. Maybe it's the first But regardless of how often you've heard this, the reality is this. In coming here today, you have stumbled upon treasure. The pearl of great price is held before your eyes this morning. And Jesus' message is clear. The kingdom will cost you everything. But what is your response to that kingdom? to the young people among us, maybe those who are just entering school, those who are in school, maybe you've graduated and you're setting out, figuring out things related to your life and your career. Darcy and I often talk about how it seems as though it will cost our children far more to be a Christian than it costs us. Sure, following Jesus in my day may have made you strange, but you weren't seen as hateful for your convictions. When we, were, when we were thinking about a career, there were a few of them I could think of that it would be hard to be a Christian, but now you may lose your job in nearly any field for following Jesus in your workplace. But you see, we do you no favors 
by twisting the message of the kingdom into one that downplays the cost. We would love for things in our country to change where they're more favorable toward Christians. But there's no guarantee that they will. But the good news is this. Jesus knows exactly what it will cost you to follow him. But he promises you it will all be worth it. The cost of the kingdom, it can't be separated from its value. We've kind of separated separated it out for the narrative tension that the parables give. But what makes it all make sense is what the kingdom is truly worth. And so let's consider our, our final point this morning. The kingdom is worth everything. The kingdom is worth everything. Part of the wonder of these stories is the announcement that the treasure is here. Now that Jesus has come, that treasure, it's out there in the field. That pearl, it exists and you may encounter it. Like the mustard seed and like the leaven, it's not big and grand and flashy. There's a hiddenness to it and yet it can be found. It's here now. And the question is, how will you respond to finding the kingdom? Both characters, they see the value of what they've come across, don't they? And both respond to the value that they've encountered. They go and they sell all that they have. And it's important to remember that these stories, they are not gotcha stories. You don't keep reading and it's, oh, and it was all fake gold that someone thought would be fun to bury and just see if anyone encountered it. <laughs> or, oh, that pearl, it's really just a white rock, but I sanded it for a long time. Aren't you miserable now? It's not that at all. The whole point of the story is they did the right thing. They saw the true value. Everything that the first man had, if you added it all up, it was still nothing compared to what he gained. All the merchandise that the merchant had before, all the other smaller pearls that he'd been acquiring and was planning to sell, they even added together were not as valuable as what he obtained with the one pearl. Yes, there is great cost, but that cost is worth it because what is obtained is so valuable. And Jesus says that the kingdom that he is bringing, life with God himself, is worth everything. How can this be? I confess that as I think about these things uh, and, and just think about the cost, you kind of wonder, is it really that worth it? But when you stop and think about it, Life with Jesus really brings the fullness of who you were made to be. And therefore, everything that you're truly seeking in this life, whether you know it or not. Any wealth and material blessings that you may gain are just a glimmer of the inheritance that's kept in heaven for you that will never perish, spoil, or fade. The way that God enables you in following him to bring him glory and do good to others as you walk in his ways. It brings a deeper satisfaction than any career 
or any promotion could ever provide. The status of being a beloved son or daughter of God, being adopted into his family as a child of the creator of the universe, it's more lasting and deeper than any recognition or fame or people's praise that you could get in this life. While following him means seeking his kingdom and laying aside your own agenda. The radical nature of it is that it brings a fuller freedom than any promise of autonomy or pursuit of your own agenda could ever give you. And the most intimate relationships in this life, whether they're with a spouse or a family member or a good friend, they are all just pointers to the wonder of being truly known by and knowing the triune God, of walking your entire life with a Savior who is always with you by his Spirit, who will never leave you nor forsake you, who knows what it is to live in this fallen world and who will enable you and equip you to do the same until he comes. We may lose relationships in this life, and there's loss and pain, but we also gain a family. And we gain a family who share the most profound thing about us in common with us. And that's our faith in the Lord Jesus and our fellowship with God himself. And they will be family with us forever. And even the sadnesses, the losses, the difficulties in this life, Jesus says that in this kingdom, even those hard things are somehow transformed into something that will somehow, someday, be good, be glorious, even be beautiful. As even the tears that we experience in this life are somehow being used by God to water new creation glory that is ours and that will be ours one day. We could go on and on about the worth of being part of the kingdom of God and life with him, but it could be summarized in this. Everything that is truly good, we gain through Jesus by being a part of his kingdom. Everything that's truly good ultimately comes to us through following Jesus. And that value, that worth, that treasure, you know what it does? It brings us joy. Part of what's so compelling about these stories is the experiences of joy that we find in the purchase, right? The, the man sells all that he has, and what? In his joy, he goes and he buys the field. He's delighted. The merchant sells everything to get that one pearl. And I love how the way the story ends, because for me, I just picture him sitting there at the end, and he's bought it, and we don't know anything else about what he does. So what else would he do? He's looking it over, turning it around and around in his hand, delighting in the fact that he has the wonder of this 
pearl. How silly would it be if the man who bought the field didn't then live off of and enjoy the treasure of that field, of that, that he found in the field? Well, that's nice. It'll be great to have that someday. I think it's back to life as usual. Or how silly would it be if the man with the pearl then just set it aside and sat around remembering all of the smaller pearls that he once had before he bought this one? And yet, what convicts me as I read these stories is I think that I often live this silly way. Can you relate to that at all? I know in my head that following Jesus is worth the cost and that I have gained a lot in following Christ. Dare I say I have gained everything. I know theologically that's true. But my life now is not always living with the joy of having obtained an incomprehensible treasure or the daily delight that the pearl of all pearls is now my possession in the Lord Jesus. Now please don't hear me saying this, that unless you're always smiling or joyful or your life doesn't always have that new car smell, delight about it, or something like that, that you are somehow sinning in that. In this age, we will always experience a mixture of sorrow and rejoicing until one day the sorrow is no more. But what I have seen in my own life is that it's easy to forget the value of what we do have in the Lord Jesus the tyranny of the urgent, the waves of difficulty, the pressures of this life. It's so easy not to be aware of the riches that are already ours. It's so easy not to stop and to gaze upon the pearl that we have in Jesus. Jesus calls for us to realize that this treasure is ours now. As surely as the man owned that treasure or the merchant held that pearl, so surely are the riches of the kingdom covenanted to you in the new covenant through the Lord Jesus and sealed by his blood. Stories of finding hidden treasure are pretty captivating, aren't they? It's exciting to think that something like that could happen to anyone who's here. That there could be something in a field or something we find as we're cleaning through our junk drawer that's so valuable that it could change our lives forever. Jesus says in these stories that this is not only possible, that it's true and it is in him. So as we seek to follow him, as we seek to forsake it all continually in this life, as we experience the great cost of following Jesus, let's do so reminding ourselves and also reminding each other of the great worth of what we have, the present treasure of being part of the kingdom of God and all the peace and joy that brings us in the midst of the difficulties of life, and also the sheer wonder of what will one day be when our Lord Jesus returns and we experience the fullness of all the treasure that is ours in him 
which is really receiving him and God forever. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the clarity of your word. We pray that you would help us to continue to delight into this free gift of grace that is ours. We pray that you would give us endurance in the midst of great cost. And we thank you for the sure and certain hope that we have that one day we will experience the fullness of you lavishing your grace and your love upon us. Thank you that that is ours even now in the Lord Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.